I want to talk to you this morning about some things that everyone in the sound of my voice, whether it be over the internet, we're over the internet in many different directions. But whoever hears this, I know that there's some things that you're going to get either before life's over or after life's over. I'm sure of it. I meditated on it this week a little bit, and I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put something together on this. I have eight things. There are more. There are more than eight things, but I want to talk to you real quickly. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Eight things. When a preacher says eight things, you should be scared. I had ten. I reduced it to eight. But eight things that you will get before it's all over. I've spent the majority of my life trying to educate people on the Bible, the Word of God. First of all, God had to spend a the first part of my life, educating myself on the Bible, going to school and studying, writing papers, being in the library, Un- understood the theory and philosophy of what it means to read books. I read books. I'm right now reading three books. I read them simultaneously, a little bit each one. I recommend a book called Cold Case Christianity. It's written by a detective out of L.A., he was a real good detective. Real, I didn't realize how much went into being a detective. They, they really go to school. They study all kinds of stuff to try to solve cold cases. And so he wrote a book called Cold Case Christianity. He was an atheist, an agnostic, an atheist that did not believe Christianity was true or held any real reason why anybody would believe it. So he set out with the same, instru- same tools that he used to solve cases of murder cases and different things, and, and so he set out to prove the Bible wrong. He said, I can prove it not to be so. Well, by the time he got done, he got saved. And, and it's been 25 years now he's been saved. He wrote a book called Cold Case Christianity, and he just takes it and uses the same rules, same principles for solving cases that he, he did most of his adult life, and he applies it to Christianity. I've, got, I've, taught, I've taught Bible studies, Sunday school classes. I preach in all kinds of locations, preach on the beach, preach on street corners, podcasts, magazine articles, devotional booklets, radio, video, iTunes, websites. One thing I know in all this time and effort spent in the Bible, that is everyone, everyone that draws breath will someday get what the Bible teaches. For some, it's going to be too late because they will get it after death. But they will get it. They will understand it. My hope, of course, is that you get these fundamental things I'm going to speak about this morning before you die. You say, preacher, why is it important I get this before I die? Because according to what I understand in the Scriptures, once a person dies, it seals their decisions. Bible says you'll be judged for things done in the body, whether it be good or bad. Done in the body, whether it be good or bad. Once you die, you leave the body. So then you're going to be accountable for the, what you did in your body, what God, the God, body that God gave you, by the way, what you did with what you knew. And what you did with Jesus, most of all. And so death seems to seal your decision-making. I can say it this way, that there is no free will after death. You have free will now. You can mock him. You can, you can laugh about 
Christ. You can laugh about the Bible. You can laugh about the church. You can do all kinds. Do whatever you want. And God's not going to say anything. But he will say something someday. For even the secret things that you do will be brought out someday. Eight things I want to talk about you're going to get before the end of life. Or hopefully we will get before the end of life. But you will know for certain after death. First of all, you're going to get that life is short. Now, you young people are going to maybe wonder about this. Okay, well, I don't think life's short. I've wanted to be 16. I've tried to be 16 for 100 years. I'm not there yet. I'm, I want to be, why would you want to be 16? You want to be 16 so you can get your driver's license, so you can drive on your own. You buy your own car, drive a car, you know, man. That's what you want to be 16 for. At 15, I was able to get my learner's permit and drive a motorcycle. My mom and dad said, if you want a motorcycle, you got to buy it on your own. I got the money, bought the motorcycle. I didn't realize so years later they were trying to kill me. No training, no helmet, no seatbelt. We lived, I'm in the no seatbelt generation. We put our kids up in the, uh, you know, that little dashboard. You put your kid up in the dashboard and took off. The kids played back in the back window, and the thing, and the, that little area in the back window used to be some area to put stuff. They'd play in the back window. I wonder how we survived. James 4.14 says, Whereas you know not what it will be on the morrow, for what is your life? I like when the Bible does a question and answers it. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You're going to get that your life is short. Now that I am coming towards the end of life at 71 years old, I know what I knew by faith, I know now by sight. Things are transitioning as you get older as a Christian. They start every time when you begin a Christian life, everything's taken by faith. Everything you read in the Bible is taken by faith. Simple childlike faith. Bible says it, I believe it, but I, I've not experienced it. But as you get older and live for Christ, more and more things uh, uh, he checks off that you've experienced. And you say, well, I know now by experience that that's true. I know now by experience that life is short. How in the world did I get to be this old? My mother at 86, I've said many times, she said, Billy, how did I get here? 86-year-old woman wanted to know how she got there. And I said, one day at a time. She said, I know, but it seems I just looked around. I was old, like Brother Morris. You know, the nice thing about being as old as Brother Morris is you got no peers, or very few. I don't know. I know. I know. I know life seems to drag on. So when you're in pain, when you're in suffering, when you're in hard times, Life seems to drag slowly on. Oh, man. If you're in pain, you look at the clock, and you think an hour has passed, five minutes has passed. You look at it again, ten minutes has passed. You think two hours have passed. And that's a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon. And so you may think it goes slow, and maybe you're 20 years old in here. Maybe you're 15 years old. Maybe you're 35 years old, and you still think life is, life is uh, long. It's not. The Bible says it's short. And it passes away. Be, be, beware of that. Get it now. Believe it now so you don't get it later when it's too late to know that. You believe the Bible by faith now. Just trust him. And you wait a little while and you're going to say, hey, you know what? Life is short. 
Bless Brother Gillespie, life is short. Brother Knight, life is short. These guys just say, say, yeah, man. Second thing you're going to get before it's over is death is sure. Romans 5.12 says, Whereas by one man's sin entered into the world, death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. How do I know you're a sinner? Because you die. If you, hadn't, if you didn't sin, you wouldn't die. But you've sinned, consequently you die. How do I know you're a sinner? How do you know you're a sinner? People come to me and say, oh, I'm not a sinner. Well, you're going to die? Yeah, well, that means you're a sinner because sin is the cause of death. Death is a great leveler, isn't it? There are no rich men at death, just men. There are no royalty at death. There are no titles that will follow you after death. Your position, whatever your position, whatever your title, whatever your pronouncement in this life is, it will not matter at death. Your wealth will not follow you. Steve Jobs, the most recent example I had in my mind, died at 50, I think 56 years old. He owned Apple. He was a multi, he was a billionaire, multi-billionaire, had all kinds of money. Apple was growing. His stocks were getting more and more valuable as he went down the road. He got cancer, and he, I think it was pancreatic cancer, and he, and he, all the money that boy could amass buying the best doctors, going every place he could go, he died of pancreatic cancer. His money couldn't help him at death. Robin Williams committed suicide, a comedian. His fame, wherever Robin Williams went, people say, oh, that's, that's Robin Williams. What would it feel like, brother? Nick, if you went in a restaurant, people say, could, could you, could, Nick, could you, just, could you just sign Captain Nick for me? Could you just, Captain Nick, would you do that? Hey, hey Chief, what if you went somewhere and they said, what? That, that, that's Mike tomorrow. Mike, would you just sign Chief for me on my thing? That works to the ego, doesn't it? Didn't do Robin Williams any good. I think of JFK, now that goes back to you old boys. John F. Kennedy, I remember where I was when he got killed in Dallas. John F. Kennedy had the world. The disposition didn't help him when he died. You're going to get it, either now or later. My exhortation to all of us this morning is get it now. Life is short. Death is sure. Thirdly, sin is the cause of the whole thing. The whole. If you want to get upset, don't get upset about. Don't get upset at God for the mess of the world's in, for wars and rumors of wars and 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 rapes and pillaging and stealing and hatefulness and malignity and all the wickedness that you see around you and the anger you see around you. Don't you get you get mad at the devil? He tempted Eve. You partook of what was forbidden, and consequently sin passed upon all men. And sin's the cause. James 1.15 puts it like this. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Sin rules us all. Uh, Shakespeare said Cupid rules us all. The truth is sin rules us all. Every born-again believer in this room still struggles with the presence of sin. I wish I could tell you I was totally sanctified. I'd be lying. That told you I wasn't sanctified. 
I wish I could tell you I never got angry again. But not being around me very long, you'd say, oh, he got angry. I wish I could tell you I never lusted. By the way, girls, if you think old men quit lusting, you don't know old men. Men burn with lust. you get it. Someday you're going to get it. Sin's the cause of this whole mess. Fourthly, the thing you're going to get, Christ is the cure. Romans 6.23 says it like this, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Either you're going to get it now or after death, but you'll get that life really was all about Jesus. Eternity has to do with the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. He is the centerpiece of all history. Think of the word history, H-I-S, story, his story, history. He's the focal point of eternity, the beginning and the ending of everything, the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in him now while you have a choice. Trust in him now while you have a free will. Don't wait till you get die and get to the great white throne judgment, and he's the judge, by the way, of all the earth, of all living and dead and the earth, everybody that ever lived, Jesus Christ is going to be on that throne judging the great white throne. You can read Revelation chapter 20 and, and see it for yourself as where it's most clearly described in the Bible. Those people judge at the great white throne judgment are judged for the deeds done in the body, whether it be good or bad, and they don't have any anything to answer for their sin that they did, no no. No atonement, no propitiation, no forgiveness, no covering. And they'll have to answer for their own sin and pay for their own sin. They'll be cast in the lake of fire. That's what the Bible says. You say, I don't believe it. You will get it one way or another. Ecclesiastes, fifthly, let me say, life is empty. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 14 says, I've seen all the works that are done under the sun, Behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. When you read the book of Ecclesiastes, which was written by the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, you sometimes think, man, that boy was negative. I don't know if you've ever read Ecclesiastes and wonder, well, that boy is negative. That's because he knew the truth of life. There are, I've been on YouTube. There are mansions, mansions, fabulous mansions that are deserted all over the world, all over the world. It's fabulous. I mean, one of them had these magnificent twin staircases coming down and joining together in the middle. And, and the, man, you could just tell by the, by the accoutrements around the uh, room and stuff that it was just, it was one time, it was just glory. It was just deserted. They get so old that the plumbing's too old to use, and electrics that were too old, or if they had electric, it probably didn't. And, and it's just, a, you know, it's just too much to repair it, and people just walk away from them. And everything you build will be walked away from someday. It'll be destroyed. Why? It's too old, too much maintenance, plumbing shot, electrical shot, brick shot. They say in, in appraising, the average life expectancy of a, of a house is about 55 years. You're going to get it. Life's empty. History repeats itself. Ultimately, what counts is what God says counts. What I learned at 18 years old when I gave my heart to Christ and began to read the Bible, I began to say, God, show me what's real. Shows me what's eternal. 
Show me what will last. I don't want to invest my life for that which is not bread. I don't want to invest my life for that which deteriorates. I want to invest my life for something that has that has an eternal value to it. And as I began to read the Gospels, Jesus began to talk to me and tell me, uh, what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and loses his own soul? And I thought, wow, that makes sense to me. Well, how do we? And I listened to Jesus when he said, where a man's uh, treasure is, there will his heart be also. I listened to Jesus when he said, invest your things which do not corrupt in, in eternity and in heaven. Uh, because if you leave them here, the moth will corrupt and, and the thief will steal and they'll eventually be, sh- be shot and useless. The emptiness, if I may say, of life I caught to be true without Christ. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, 14 says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. I love when some, the Bible says, let's hear the conclusion, a summation statement. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be bad, whether it be evil, that should scare you. You say, Bill, why would that scare you? Because you've done some things in secret that you're mighty ashamed of if it became public. And Jesus just gave you a heads up through the word of God the, word of, I mean, the Holy Spirit gave you a heads up through the word of God that everything that's done in secret will be someday made manifest. Without Christ, if you come, if you don't trust Christ your Savior and put all that under his blood, someday you'll have to face those things. Oh, my. Fifthly, you're going to get the life's empty. Now, you'll get at the end of it. I mean, I, I, could, I could have listed, if I had the time, list all the quotes to some of the famous people when they came to the end of their life and said, how empty it was and what good it do to have what I had and all this other stuff. But I don't have to convince you for that. The Bible says it. Sixth thing I, you're going to get is that nothing in life or of this world satisfies. Now, you 60s, people that were teenagers in the 60s get this well by a phrase that Mick Jagger said. I can't get. No satisfaction. Do you know he was telling the truth? The Bible says Isaiah 55, 2, Wherefore you do, do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Eat ribeye. How many here like ribeye? God bless you. You're a wise group of people. I went into a McDonald's the other day, and there was the owner of the McDonald's. He owns about 30 McDonald's, and he was there, and he was there looking at McDonald's. I noticed everybody was working real good. I mean, everybody was moving around, you know, getting stuff ready. And I noticed the hamburger was fresh and everything was good. I thought, wow. So he was sitting over there, and he came over, and I think uh, uh, Chris came with his wife and Sassy, his little girl. And... And um, we had some people there. Thomas was there and some others. And I wanted to tell the boy when he came over, I said, I just want you to know McDonald's is health food. He goes, yeah. I said, well, my brother is 81 years old. And we were, and mom's 71. We've been raised on McDonald's. We started out with 15-cent hamburgers and 10-cent French fries. And we've been eating them ever since. And we've had our hearts checked, and we have no blockage whatsoever, none. So go ahead and take the white out of your, go take and take the yellow out of your eggs. 
you poor souls. You like ribeye. So, let's just say that you're going to eat ribeye every day, every day for the next year. We'll furnish it for you. Big old inch cut ribeyes, fresh, and we're not going to furnish it for you. I was in jest on that. Well, let's just say we would finish it for and we'd say, okay, you sign up, we're going to give you ribeye, you're going to eat ribeye for breakfast, you're going to eat ribeye for lunch, you're going to eat ribeye for supper. What would it not be just in a short time you would literally hate the thought of ribeye? The smell of cooking ribeye would make you almost nauseous. You wouldn't want ribeye, you would have ruined it. Have a, have a hobby you like to do. Here's a good way to ruin a hobby. You want to ruin a hobby? Make it a profession. You like fishing? Well, become a professional fisherman. There'll be a day you regret that, brother. Because life in its essence just does not generally, it just doesn't satisfy. There's some moments of satisfaction. Don't get me wrong. You build something, sit back and look at it and go, wow. There's certain status you write something and it helps people and you go, wow, good. But those are a little short time. Ultimately, life does not satisfy. You'll someday get that. Seventh thing you're going to get, you're going to love this one. You're going to be forgotten after death. You say, I matter. You don't. I'm important. You're not. It won't be 50 years. Nobody will know who you were. I'm including your grandkids. I'm including your great-grandkids. They're going to look at pictures and say, who was that? They've never seen you. They never know. We, we got memorials on trees around here. We got memorials from people. We started in 1980. I was there in 1980, uh, about the third month they got together. And we and I preached for them. I preached for them the third Sunday and the fifth Sunday they met. And when... And we started Gospel Baptist Church, and these trees we put up here in 1996, and we put little memorials at the bottom of those trees. And, and Chris Barrows, 30-year-old Chris Barrows, and I walk on those trees. He doesn't know them. 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 It's happening. I'll die. There's nobody to walk along the trees and say, that guy was this way and this is what he did, or that guy was this way and that's what he did. The memory of us is going to evaporate, except with God. If I was you, I'd make my peace with God. I'd trust the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal Savior with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. I mean, mean it as hard as, mean it like a heart attack, man. I mean, mean it. Because the only person that's going to remember you is God, will soon be forgotten after death. And the Bible says it this way, Psalm 103, 15, 16, that's for a man. His days are as grass. And, and uh, Abdel, you know about that. His days are as grass. As a flower of the fields, he flourisheth. Then the hurricane comes by, the wind passeth over it, and it's gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. Run down Fort Myers Beach, and there's empty lots. There used to be houses there that people loved. They built, they cherished, they put the things they loved in. They're all gone. That's just the story of life. You're going to be forgotten 
All I can tell you is get it. Get it now. Psalm 37.10 says, For yet in a little while the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. The last thing that you need to get before life's over is the Bible was true after all. And the Bible warned you of all these things. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, verse 8, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Do you believe that? Do you get it? Luke 4, 4 says, And Jesus answered and said, It is written, this man shall, The man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I think someday it's going to dawn on us, even born-again believers, how much that is true. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. What kind of incorruptible? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You're going to get these basic truths one way or another. The question is, when will you get them? When will you get them? I hate to say it, but in a group this large, there are people sitting in this very more, statistically, there are people sitting in this room that are not going to get it. There are people listening that are not going to get it. My heart is absolutely broken for you. Because when you do get it after death, it will be too late. And God used the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in this preacher to give you a heads up, a warning. You'll not be able to go on the other side and say, nobody cared about me. Nobody warned me. Nobody said anything about it. I, nobody. You've been warned and warned and warned and warned and warned. Oh, to God that you'd shake yourself and listen. You say, I don't believe the Bible. Read the Gospel of John four or five times and tell me that. Read it with, a, with an open heart and say, God, if this is your book, and God, if the Holy Spirit's real and you're real, and I'm going to read the Gospel of John, will you reveal yourself to me as I read the Gospel of John? Especially, John, there's so many, books, so many chapters in John, but especially chapter 3. Read that over again and say, God, speak to me about that. And I believe the Holy Spirit will come by and whisper to you and talk to you. Now, God's not going to rape you. He's not going to rape you. He's not going to force himself upon you. He's not going to bully you. But he's going to whisper to you. Turn the music off. Turn the internet off. Turn the movies off. Turn the TV off. Turn the static off. And let listen for the Holy Spirit of God as you read the Bible. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. You want faith? Get in the Bible when it's quiet and ask God to show himself to you. And he will.
It's not God's will that any should perish, says in 1 Peter 3, I think it's 3, 9. It's not God's will that any should perish. He's for you. He wants you to be saved. He sent his only begotten son to die on the cross and take all your sin upon himself. Christ took all the sin that ever was committed upon himself on Calvary, and he became the, the Lamb of God that gave himself for the sins of the whole world. And when the resurrection proved and solidified that he was the one, of all the people out there who said, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah, only one was testified to resurrection. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust him today. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray the Holy Spirit of God may use this simple message, may use the word of God, and may convict people of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. You said you would. Please, my Father, do it. We've prayed. We've asked you. We've prepared. There may be someone in this room this morning who say, I've never trusted Christ as my personal Savior. I don't know what it means to have my sins forgiven. I don't even understand the concepts of what you're talking about. Why don't you let us just give you some things to look at and read, give you some things. We'd love to speak to you about it. If you give us an opportunity, we're not going to hurt you. We're not a cult. We're not going to shove anything on you. We're going to try to help you. To, to see the things that we were able to see before it was too late. So you'll get it. You'll get it. But our prayer is you get it before you die. Why don't you trust the Lord Jesus? Say, Lord, I'm a sinner, unable to save myself. I believe Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again the third day with all my heart. Romans 10, 9 says that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Are you born-again Christians in the room here that are living in the world, one foot in the world, one foot in the things of God? You're going to lose out also big. You don't, you don't do that. Don't do that. Understand what's real. Understand what's going to last. Not that you don't make a living. Not if you're a plumber. Not that you don't, not that, not that you don't go to and do plumbing on Monday. But Jesus is first, plumbing is second. Jesus is first, contracting is second. Jesus is first, business is second. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.